1: Might as well have producer Jesse just wheel the piano in here because Sarah McLachlan is coming for some of y'all this weekend. Full-on, big pressure Saturday ahead. We are live. It is Thursday, September 21st, the year of our Lord, 2023. High atop a very anxious downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Anxious why? I don't want to see our Alabama brethren hurting. I don't want to see our Clemson brethren hurting. But believe me, friends, if they dropped two losses and the calendar still says September, Bad, bad things are on tap for the Sunday show. We're going to talk about that. I got several more game breakdowns to go. I got added best bets. Cole Kublick is going to join for a very lively, dare I say, even spicy conversation tonight, and we'll have it all jam-packed inside this one show. It's college football. That's all we do. All due respect to the pro game. Go elsewhere for that. It's nonstop college football here. They're watching us in Austin, Texas, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Fairfax, Virginia, Herman, Missouri. I have in my hand the eye, Josh. I will be in Chicago tomorrow night. That's as specific as I'd like to get as it relates to my whereabouts. But I will be at the Notre Dame game Saturday. But before we get to South Bend, we have that little small matter of Friday night lines. And I will be broadcasting live at some point tomorrow night. It will not be on this channel. The only way you'll get it is following on Instagram, at Josh. The only way you'll see behind the scenes at the Notre Dame-Ohio State game Saturday, at Josh. Follow on Instagram. Lot to be seen there that's not seen by the general public that's not seen on this show and in some cases closure ears management is not necessarily even endorsed by the company and for the second time in a minute that's as specific as I can get there big pressure Saturday is on tap this is basically uh, forewarning you that we'll open a crisis hotline Sunday because some of you are going to need it I don't think that we've seen this many ranked on ranked matchups Jesse what was it since like 2005 and so yeah that that's great that's wonderful but. The state of the college football landscape right now is such that Alabama's got a loss already. Clemson's got a loss already. Texas A&M's got a loss already. And all three of them came as favorites, in many cases, solid favorites. So everything's all topsy-turvy. It's like trying to get your spine straight on a waterbed. And then all of a sudden, well, this week we got Ole Miss rolling into Tuscaloosa. We got, we got the Knolls rolling into Clemson. We got Auburn headed into College Station. These are losable games. There's pressure everywhere. With Alabama, I cannot stress enough, That if you are enrolled at the university right now, you have no clue what it's like to lose. You never have. You never have. You were an infant. You could not feed yourself the last time this team lost two games in a row, two home games in a row. The last time they were out of contention in September. You don't know that feeling. And I would venture to say a lot of you have hopped on the bandwagon. We don't say that word very loud around here, but I I would venture to think a lot of you have hopped on the bandwagon over the last 15, 20 years. and, And even you don't know what it's like to lose out of all the people who could bring the walls crumbling to the ground, Lane Kiffin? This is how this story is going to end? Surely not. Now, for the record, I did pick Alabama to win the game, and I'm going to talk to Kublik about this a little bit later on, but man, just go down the what-if rabbit hole with me for a second. If it's Lane Kiffin, if it's him, some of you just despise him in Tuscaloosa. Others feel much stronger than that about him. If it's Lane Kiffin, and also forget about Kiffin, I don't care if it's me, If someone goes in there and hands you your second L before the end of September, what's the talk? What, I know what Nick Saban's talk would be, but like you living in Tuscumbia, Alabama, or living in Muscle Shoals or, or Muscle Shoals, as the locals would pronounce it, what do you do? Like, rebuild? What are you trying to get to the Gator Bowl? Like, what kind of. What kind of mentality do you adopt? So there's that. Then there's also this really, really ridiculous notion that if I had a saddle, would be the burr under it. And that is this whole thing about Nick Saban's legacy. Like, yeah, kids, you could win half a dozen national championships at school, but you have a down year. You dare lose three or four games, and there goes your legacy. Guess that means legacies don't mean very much if you can dismantle them in a non-scandal-related fashion over the span of, what, one month? In one season, so that's what I think about that. But yeah, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, not just on Saban. He'll be there next year if he wants to be. Virtually no one else there is safe, and I think I've said it the way I need to say it. There. What about the Clemson Tigers? What about Dabo Swinney? We've already broken all these games down. If you want to look at the individual cuts on the YouTube channel, they are there. I would um, strongly advise you to wait until after the show is over to look at them. So here comes Mike Norvell. Here comes that transfer-portal-ridden Florida State roster, and then or riddled Florida State roster, and then there's Clemson with a conspicuous lack of transfer-portal-infused talent, which is okay. It's okay, because that's the way Dabo Swinney wants to go about it. And Mike Norvell, it's okay if, if half your roster is from the portal, because it's legal now. You can do whatever you want to there. Um, but here's the thing. Dabo's taken a really hard stance on this. Uh, Mike Norvell has, too. They're just polar opposites. Now, you know as well as I do, there are more than one ways to win in this game. I mean, Paul Johnson won at Georgia Tech, and they never threw the ball. So, yeah, there are more than one or two ways to win, but this is philosophy. Like, this is overarching. This is 50,000-foot stuff. And I, I told you when Duke beat Clemson, that was bad, but that's a loss. People didn't view that as a referendum game. This is the referendum game. I've told you this since the summer. When Florida State comes in there, if Florida State's able to win, that's big for the ACC. If Florida State is able to roll, then that's, a, that's kind of a sea change in the ACC, but also that's the moment when the most loyal of Clemson fans will peel the duct tape off their mouths and they will finally question their leader for the first time. I'm not making fun of you guys. I know it sounds a little sarcastic. It is. It's a college football show on YouTube, but I'm serious. You have every reason in the world to be loyal to Dabo Swinney. He's brought you multiple championships. He's elevated that tiger paw symbolically to a level it never had been before in anyone's lifetime. Mine, yours, uh, uh, grandpa's, anyone's. So I don't really say that with forked tongue. But what I do mean is nothing stays the same. Like the sport doesn't sit still. It wasn't going to sit still for Saban. He had to evolve in the mid-20 teens or it would have passed him by. And it's not going to sit still for Dabo. I don't care if he's won seven of the past eight conference titles over there. You've seen it moving and he's seen it moving too. Just the difference is he doesn't feel like running towards it like he runs down that hill. Well, that's all well and good as long as you keep winning. But the moment you stop winning and the moment that that fan base sees that someone else has that belt over their shoulder, and if it's Florida State especially, that's not a one hit wonder type thing, they're going to be complaints. And I don't think Dabo Swinney's changing. I really don't. And so that's. That's rocking a hard place type stuff for the Clemson program. And look, I picked Florida State. I was I was talking to a coach today, not involved in this game, just kind of an, an innocent bystander. And he pumped Clemson up pretty good. You know, he was talking about the way Clemson's perceived versus the way this game is perceived and versus what it actually will be. So there's a lot of there are a lot of folks in the coaching community that don't quite think it's Florida State's time yet, that think Clemson's got a whole lot more in the barrel than the public imagines. I'll have to see it. Now, I said that about Missouri last week and they went and won a football game. So that doesn't mean anything just because I picked Florida State. I expect a really competitive game. Hey, we'll know by 3.30 Eastern time, won't we? We'll know Saturday. Looking really forward to that, really forward to it. We're not going to be at the Oregon-Colorado game, but all eyes will be on Eugene, Oregon. This is, I, I, I cannot believe well, I can't believe where we're at. So, so all-encompassing statement there. Wow, to what Dion's done. Wow, that this is a marquee game. But even then, still a three-touchdown line here. A side note, and this is just a word to the unwise: don't refer to point spreads as disrespectful. I told you we had to pay a Dion tax. The Dion tax for those who did not listen to the last couple of shows is as blessed as we are to have that dude coaching a major college football program. And as blessed as we are as a college football people to have multitudes, just droves of outsiders coming in the door, they bring with them some, some pretty casual opinions. And they don't sit in the back and acclimate themselves to the room. They want to talk as soon as they get in here. And so, you know, you hear things. I was listening to some of our peers on another network that shan't be named today, and they they called this point spread disrespectful. Guys, girls, don't refer to point spreads as disrespectful because it's one of the dumbest things you could ever say. If you believe it, go bet it. Go bet it. That's all it is. It's, it's meant to attract your action. You don't look at a point spread. It's inanimate. It doesn't have feelings. An odds maker put it there. Don't, if a sandwich sits here, I'm not going to call it tasty. I'm going to eat it. If a point spread is disrespectful, go take advantage of it. You're not, are you? Because you know what Oregon's capable of doing. You know that the steam could run out of this engine for Colorado, or maybe it doesn't. That's why God has us play the games instead of just, you know, like draw it up on paper. But there's pressure on Dan Lanning. As much as people are talking about Dion. you know, right now, playing Colorado is the biggest stage this sport has to offer. I want to repeat that for those of you who have been in the hospital, and you just got resuscitated, brought back to life. Maybe you came to, and you don't know what's happened over the past year. I'm going to say it again slowly for you. Welcome back. Hope you heal up soon. Um, Colorado's the center of the college football universe. Dion's the coach there. And playing them now puts you on the biggest stage the sport has to offer. Well, what does that mean for Dan Lanning? What does that mean for Bo Nix? They're going to be points to be had, plays to be made. And if I turn this game on and it's 27 all late in the fourth quarter, Colorado is the immediate story. But you know how folks will start talking about landing? It'll be ridiculous. You know how folks start talking about landing? Because you will still have at Washington, you'll still have Washington State at home. You'll go to Utah. You got Southern Cal still to go. You got Oregon State on Black Friday. You still got all those games. You couldn't even beat Colorado. That's what the talk will be. Yeah, there's pressure up there. There is immense pressure in College Station, Texas. Big Pressure Saturday. Has Fox trademarked this yet? Can we get this one? Or do they have that one as well, Jesse? So Big Pressure Saturday is extra big time in College Station, Texas, because again, conference play starts, Auburn comes to town, but there's that blemish. It's like you're 14 years old again. There's that blemish, and it's Miami. And they they really kind of skull drug you, didn't they? And all of a sudden, yeah, it wasn't a conference game, but you enter into conference play with a loss on your resume. And if you lose another one, you're just, you're just another poverty team. You're just two and two. Like, big deal. Who, who are we talking about here? We're talking about Texas A&M. We're talking about a team that was a dark horse to compete with or maybe even overtake the LSUs or Alabamas of the world in the West. We're talking about, and still are, a top five talent roster in this sport. And they're going to be two and two? Well, we can't have that and the locals out there are already waiting for the next slip-up. Um, I can't even imagine what Texags would look like after the dust settles if Auburn, if Hugh Freeze goes in there with a totally reportaled roster, they are, their leading receiver has yet to top the 200-yard mark, and he goes in there and attacks that D.J. Durkin secondary, and they come out of there with a win, I don't care how, uncomfortable times at texas a and i A&M. I'm going to be in South Bend, Indiana, I'm going to watch Ryan Day take Ohio State in there. And again, undefeated Ohio State, JP poll number one rated Ohio State. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because if Kyle McCord and that offense don't just up and down the field, if, if it's 21 to 10, uh, shoes on the other foot, as it was last year, if Notre Dame gets the job done here, it doesn't matter how high a level the game's played at. Doesn't matter if Notre Dame's flawless in their execution and you just tip your cap to him. Some fans will not be happy with that, uh, because here's their reasoning, and they're not wrong. We're Ohio State. When we play our b plus or better game, no one should really be able to just out-execute us or out-talent us, because that should be good enough. Road, home, don't care. And I get the standard. It's, it's a little steep, but I get the standard. And also, in that little scenario there, you know, if Ohio State were to lose Saturday, It's not like they have a murderer's row of a schedule. They're currently the third odds on favorite to win it all, by the way. But you would start looking down the road, and I think a lot of people would say, well, if they couldn't beat Notre Dame, they're not going to Michigan. They're not beating Michigan. Now, that's independent of how Michigan looks the rest of the way. But I know that would happen. And I got one more for you before we move on. Let's go right back to the Palmetto State. You know, South Carolina's already got a couple of losses. Now, most fresh in your memory is not that North Carolina debacle anymore. Most fresh in your memory is. They led Georgia 14-3 to at the half last week, didn't they? Well, they got run out of the building in the second half. I, I thought it was a really strong game from them, but now here comes Mississippi State in, and Mississippi State looked filtered through a strap last week, horrifically bad, and yet they go to Columbia, and it's not even a seven-point spread. That's with home field baked in. You're telling me as an odds maker, basically a field goal separates these teams on a neutral field. No South Carolina fan, if Spencer Rattler plays remotely capable ball, thinks that Mississippi State hangs within three points of them on a neutral field. Now, is it disrespectful as a point spread? I don't know. Go bet it if you think so. But if Shane Beamer loses that one, he's a three loss coach already before September's out. And uh, Colin, I know we just started showing this beautiful B-roll. Could we look at that South Carolina schedule for a second? Because unlike Ohio State, they do still have multiple very very high speed bumps, and you start to ask yourself, well, we still got to go to Tennessee next week, and we still got Florida coming in here. Then we got back to back at Missouri; they suddenly look good. Then we go to Texas A and M. We got Kentucky and Clemson in here to round out the year. Are we going to make a bowl? We uh, we're not going to be favored the rest of the way. Are we going to make a bowl? And then people start asking themselves, have we peaked as a program? Was this just smoke and mirrors? Why don't we have anything other than this transfer portal quarterback in Spencer Rattler? Well, I'll tell you why. It's hard to build a roster. It, it should not look as easy as the Lincoln Rileys of the world made it look, because it's not. And, and that's an SC that's a long way away. The one on the East Coast over here, they've... You know, pr- progress is not linear. I've tried to explain this. You don't go seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. Sometimes you may go nine wins, seven wins, 10 wins, eight wins, 11 wins. Well, that's progress. It's just a little herky-jerky. It's not always linear. So there's that. All right, now we got some games to break down and I got some best bets and then I got Kublik later in the show. So we're jam-packed. I got a game for you that we have not broken down yet. I'm going to do it right now. This, this has Game of the Saturday potential on it. It is... Cam Rising's potential return, he's right here punching buttons in this control room right now, but he may be headed out west to retake the reins as QB1 for Utah. That's an inside joke. If you don't understand it, producer Jesse looks exactly like Cam Rising. But I am telling you, UCLA versus Utah, most hidden impact game Saturday. Meemaw would call this a five-pepper special. Dante Moore could have his coming-out party for UCLA, and because everyone's talking about all these other big games, This one's getting slept on. It is a 3.30 Eastern kickoff. It's on Fox. I was out in Salt Lake City two weeks ago. Place was on fire for the Florida game. That's the first play of the year, by the way. It'll be on fire for this game. I think that I am ready, even given my limited medical background. My medical background is I possess the internet. That's my medical background. But I am prepared to diagnose America with... Tennessee Syndrome Part 2 as it relates to UCLA. I don't think you know UCLA. I think you think you know UCLA. Remember, just a week ago, I sat right here and I told you as I picked Florida to upset Tennessee, I said, I don't think America knows Tennessee. You think you do. You think because they hung half a hundred on Virginia, they're just bombing away on folks. They can't throw the ball effectively right now, and Florida exposed it. Well, What if I told you, I want you to picture UCLA in your mind, okay? What UCLA football is under Chip Kelly. What if I told you the number one scoring defense in the Pac-12 is in this game? UCLA versus Utah. Utah, hear that echo. The number one scoring defense in the Pac-12 is in this game. That defense is allowing two yards per rush. That's eighth in the country. They're holding the opposition to under 20 points first three weeks. That's the first time this team has done that since 2009. You think I'm talking about Utah, and I'm not. I'm talking about UCLA, very salty defensive unit. So if I get Kaim Rising back for Utah, first off, golf clap, because some folks didn't think he'd ever make it back. Look at Jesse. Look at him. We have some visitors in our control room right now that have never met Jesse before, And I challenge Jesse, Producer Jesse, to just turn around and face them right now. And let's compare this face on the screen to that one in there. And you tell me that that's not a twin of Producer Jesse. So the line moved from four and a half to six on this game today, which indicates in all likelihood Cam Rising is starting. We don't know that. Kyle Whittingham, hold on. No, he has not texted me that as of yet. And so if he's starting... They, they'll need him because they need to throw the ball against UCLA. I don't think they'll have a great deal of success running the ball. How crisp is he going to be? And also, just keep in mind now, this UCLA defense is 12th in the country, a top 12. I guess that means they're 12th in pressure rate. He hasn't been hit. Cam Rising has not been hit. They've just been trying to nurse him back to health. He has not been hit. So we've seen that happen before, we've seen how that works before. I'll tell you what I think the real main event could be here. With all the talk about rising coming back, I think Dante Moore's coming out party. Could be this Saturday. Five-star, true freshman quarterback. We've been waiting on him, and the time is now. And here's the other thing. He doesn't have to carry him. They got a couple of backs averaging 7.4 yards per carry. They're running the ball extremely well. They play good defense. UCLA's a good football team, man. So let's take a look at what the Vegas number is. It's minus six right now. And let's compare that to what the model has. And our model is much shorter on this number. We got Utah minus three. And that's with Cam Rising baked in. So you may think that's the difference there. It's not. I've got him starting and that's baked into that number. I'm telling you, I think UCLA is going to win this game. I think Chip Kelly and that team is going to go into Salt Lake City and win outright. Now, that sounds like good news for the Bruins. But I do need to remind you that... I don't think there's a team in America I have had less a feel on in history than Utah. It wouldn't surprise me if you showed me stats on me picking games for Utah, and I've never been right a single time. You know the general protocol, the general feel around here is I've never been wrong about anything. I've either been right or a kid, a coach, or an official has screwed it up. Except on Utah, I've just flat out been wrong on Utah a time or 10. So I'm going to try once more. I really got a good feeling about UCLA. And Dante Moore will probably, probably be the reason. If it does happen, you're talking about the number four and number six teams respectively in terms of odds to win the Pac-12 championship right now. Game of the day potential. Don't be caught not watching UCLA, Utah. I don't care if you have to put it on a side screen. Make sure you're watching that one. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And before you do that, make sure you visit our friends at Academy Sports and Outdoors. You need tents. You need canopies, you need chairs, you need coolers, you need grills, you need kayaks. One of these things is not like the other. Well, they've got it all at Academy Sports and Outdoors. We opened two new locations in Texas this past week. We've got more on the horizon. I was just texting with our dutiful Academy reps within the last hour. Not about that necessarily, just about life, but good people at Academy. Now, here's the other thing if they sold things you didn't need, you could just listen to that and then let it go over your head. They sell things you actually need. You guys are going to buy stuff that they carry anyway. So if you appreciate the fact that this show is free of charge to you and you appreciate good product, good selection, good, good competitive price points in the industry, Academy Sports and Outdoors is where you want to go. But Josh, we don't have one here. Well, you have internet because it's a fact that you couldn't be watching our show if you didn't. So academy.com is where you want to go if you cannot get there in person. But look, guys, do whatever you can do to get there in person because it's kind of a magical place. Sometimes I go in there just to hang out. Also, you can get Big League Chew in the checkout line. That's true enough. I think Academy stores smell better than their competitors. I can't prove that, but you can't disprove it either. So go in there and then buy a few things on your way out. They're watching us in Toccoa, Georgia, Oakland, California. We've had two Oakland viewers over the past couple of days, and Irving, Texas. We appreciate you guys so much. Let's stay in the Lone Star State. Texas plays Baylor Saturday. And I, I know I hear you yawning right now. Let's just let's hang tight for just a second, because if we're going to claim that this is a season of chaos, and judging by my DMs, you think that, Isn't this the kind of game that bears close watching? Super Bowl spots in college football are very interesting. And Texas deals with it all the time. Bama deals with it. Ohio State, because every time those teams go on the road, it's it's the opposition's biggest game of the year. Look, Texas already went into Alabama and won. So I don't think the environment of McLean Stadium is going to overwhelm them. Last time I was at that venue, they had a hash brown bar. A hash brown bar, guys. So this is a late kick. How about that? This is a later kick, so no hash browns, but could we have an upset? Well, the first 15 home games that Dave Aranda had there, they were 12 and 3. They were just poof, was on fire. The last five, he's been one and four. You'll notice that's trending in the wrong direction. What's the path for them here? The number's 14 and a half. Texas is a two-touchdown favorite. What's the path for Baylor? I think it's there. I think it's narrow. Uh, Sawyer Robinson is going to start for them at quarterback. He's got to be good enough, and then they've got to build a defensive game plan that is predicated on getting Texas to third down. Texas has been less than desirable on third downs offensively this year. That could change any given week, but you don't have a whole lot else to bank on if you're Baylor, so you need that, and you also you need to make Quinn Ewers beat you. Now, Bama did, and he did. So again, this is not a foolproof strategy, but it's a whole lot better than just watching Texas three, six, nine yard gain you to death on the ground. Utah against Baylor, 47 carries, 224 on the ground, two touchdowns. Uh, Texas is guaranteed to win, virtually guaranteed, if you let them pull that off. So you got to make Quinn Ewers throw it. Hope there's some mistakes. Baylor's defense can force some of those, But I read some, I think it was on Twitter, I read someone today say, hey, Baylor's just got to get Texas to the fourth quarter. No, Baylor needed to get Texas to the fourth quarter last year or the year before. Texas is outscoring opponents 42-7 to in the fourth quarter this year. I was standing in Sark's press conference after they beat Bama. He had a really good quote. He He said, you are what you're intentional about. Pretty deep. You are what you're intentional about. What he meant is, we've been intentional about owning the fourth quarter. Like, we've been intentional about cleaning up this second half mess that we've had. And voila, they're one of the best second half teams in the country now. What does the model think? Just told you the Vegas number is Texas minus 14 and a half. The model is just a little bit shorter, not much, a little bit shorter, Texas minus 12 and a half. And this is where I get to just surf on top of the fence. I will take Texas to win somehow, some way. In one of the more ugly games of the day, I think Baylor will find a way to be in this in the fourth quarter. I do not think that's a recipe for the upset, though. So I'll take Baylor to cover the number. I will not bet a penny on this, but for entertainment purposes only, I'll take Baylor to cover. I will take Texas to win the game. Got one more here. And one of you called me out earlier today. Appreciate you watching live, by the way. If you are, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Take a little sip from the chalice right quick. So one of you called me out today, and if I believed in calling folks jerks, I'd do it right here, but I don't. So I'm not going to call you a jerk for calling me out publicly and saying I never talk about Oregon State, because this is the part of the show where we're going to talk about Oregon State and Washington State. It's the first ever time that this game has been ranked versus ranked, and I need you to stay with me. Don't be tuning out just because this isn't one of the, the top five brands in the sport We cover the sport nationally on this show, contrary to popular belief. This is a really big-time game. Um, It's Okay, so so the line is three now. Oregon State's a three-point favorite. I think there's some things that are floating around in people's minds that are scaring them about this game. I think there is an overwhelming right side to be on in this one. Oklahoma State, or not Oklahoma State, they're probably winless up there too, but Oregon State is winless in Pullman since 2013. So there's one thing. It's hard to win up there. Washington State's a really good story. Really good story. Um, Here's the thing. This has crowbar in the bicycle spokes potential as a game. And that's, that's that thing that happens sometimes where something looks like it's humming right along and then it doesn't slow down. It grinds to a halt. That's what happens when I throw the crowbar in the bicycle spokes. You don't slow down. You just fly over the handlebars. Your face looks like street pizza. I think that could happen Saturday to Washington State because I don't think they can attack Oregon State's vulnerability. Oregon State on the ground can be run on. Washington State does not run the ball. And they are ill-equipped, therefore, to take advantage of this. It's got to be a very high-risk, high-reward type offensive approach for Washington State. Now, you got Cam Ward back there, so they can do it. But, brother, it better be a finely threaded needle in order to do it. I got a key name for you to know. As much as we're talking about the quarterback matchup, Cam Ward on one side, yes, DJ Uyangalale on the other side. I want you to know about neither of them. Well, you can know about them, but in in addition to them, Damian Martinez, that running back for Oregon State, that's the dude you need to be talking about. That's the difference maker Saturday. 100-plus yard rusher in nine of his last 10 games, and then I put him in the backfield alongside DJ Uyangalaleh. Uh, that's what I sounded like when he was a senior in high school. DJ Uyangalale, who is 62% this year. 630, six touchdowns, two interceptions. Think about this now. Think about what he looked like at Clemson last year. And then I tell you all of a sudden, his top eight pass catchers all have at least one explosive catch under their belt already. Here's what I think people are worried about. I think people are worried about the Wisconsin win because it looked very impressive. Washington State beat Wisconsin. So that's in the back of your mind. And you're thinking about how hard it is to win in Pullman, Washington, which it is hard to get there. So it's absolutely hard to win there. I think Washington State needs a lot of third down success if they're going to be in this game. And I think they need to get Oregon State behind. Oregon State hasn't trailed this year. They have not trailed. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. Let's take a look at what Vegas thinks. The Vegas number's Oregon State minus three. I could not be on this one any stronger. We love Oregon State in this game. The model's all the way up at minus six and a half. I feel stronger about it than that. I think this is a day for Jonathan Smith and Oregon State. So I'm going to take them to win. I'm going to take them to cover. It is a Ramen Noodle Express best bet. We bet that one Sunday night. So we've been on it all week. We got it before it went to three. I still like it at three a reminder I got Kublick in in mere moments and we got a wide-ranging discussion. I got some bones to pick with him tonight. A reminder, we're going to be in South Bend this Saturday. Uh, the Once Upon a Saturday tour is rolling to Notre Dame Stadium. First time I will have been there since 2017 and that's the time that we famously had to drive from Columbus to South Bend, Indiana, which as I said is basically the north pole for people who grew up in Columbus and then drove all the way back. So we get a little bit better accommodation. A little bit more flexible schedule this time around. We'll be on the sideline for this game. We're looking forward to it. Really love this one. And also, remember, it's Thursday right now, so for about two more days, the Once Upon a Saturday shirt specialized for this trip is in the store. Now, it was brought to my attention that on the shirt, it says Notre Dame, Indiana. As always, we are Johnny on the spot, so it's been corrected. It says South Bend, Indiana. But... I did some Google searching just out of curiosity. You know, that area is called Notre Dame, Indiana. And I didn't know that. I was yesterday years old when I learned that. Nonetheless, the error has been corrected. So South Bend, Indiana is the place this Saturday. And the Once Upon a Saturday commemorative t-shirt is available. Those always go very fast. In fact, every week we've sold more and more of those, uh, depending on where we go. And so there's that. Okay. Speaking of best bets. A little more housekeeping to get out of the way. We are already on four games. I'm about to add two more. And then make sure you're following on Instagram, at LateKickJosh, because tomorrow night from somewhere in Chicago, we will do Friday Night Lions. But before then, let me remind you, Middle Tennessee State minus two, we're on them. Oregon State minus two and a half, we're on it. Pitt plus seven and a half against North Carolina. North Carolina broke out the specialized uniforms. Pitt may win outright. Uh, Kent State plus 28. We're on all those. All right, here we go. It's time to move on teams. I told you we'd never move on. West Virginia plus six. Yes, apologies in advance, but we're doing it. And how about this? There's a Rutgers plus 24 and a half out there at a very prominent sports book right now. So as long as they're floating it out there, I don't care if it's Michigan. I don't care if it's the Chiefs on the other side. The model says take Rutgers. We're taking Rutgers, West Virginia, Kent State, Pitt. Oregon State, Middle Tennessee State. And by the way, that's just getting started. I think there's a lot of value on the board. I will have several more to come on Friday Night Lines. Make sure you check it out. And just like that, Cole cuts upon us. Cole Kubelik of the Cube Show pod. It's so fresh. It's so new. Some would say it's so anonymous. It's hard to even say. Do you get the sense that your own show is so anonymous you struggle to articulate it?
0: I often, when I'm introducing it, Coop Show pod comes right out. It's just yeah. natural. It just feels, it feels right. So um, it's okay. We can, we can start to rebrand now. Uh, we, we, you can be the Elon Musk of my podcast and yeah. we can just rebrand it Coop Show right now. Here right. we go.
1: Cube i I'd like to elongate the E, church it up a little bit make it sound French. Um, so you've been doing the thing with Roman Harper Monday night. You've been doing a game Saturday yep. night. You've been doing Cube Show. Um, how's the wife and kids? You seen them lately?
0: Not a lot. No, Um, it's uh, we try to cut out some time. We still have date night every Tuesday. So that's going well. Um, I think the kids still love me uh, when I see them Um, going to lunch with them today. So, yeah, they'll be happy about that. Thursday is my school lunch day. And yeah, we're just we're just trying to survive here. We're, We're treading water. Survival mode surviving events it's like fall is the NCAA tournament for me, yeah, just get to the next round. are we'll you a, okay. are
1: you a bring your own liquid to school lunch guy or are you a drink the milk as it's provided sort of guy? and if so, which flavor
0: I, I have not actually partaken in the school lunch yet. I, I just go and sit and chat, and some of the third grade and kindergarten conversations that we get into are astounding mm. and entertaining. Um, there was a game we played last week called I forget what they called it. It was uh, something with the with the freezer pack. I can't remember. But basically, the kids who bring their own lunch, you know, they had like the frozen, like igloo deal or whatever. The to blueberry, keep it cold. the
1: blueberry Slurpee pouch. Yeah.
0: Basically, yeah, and so you would you would slam your hands. You'd like squeeze yours as long as you could, and then it's two people, so mano y mano. And then you would put your two hands on the kid's arm, and I would put my two hands on the other arm, and whoever's hands were coldest wins. It's a really really challenging game, actually. When we get off
1: air, and I can't emphasize this enough, when we get off air, after Colin says cut, I'm going to wait 20 seconds for safety, and I'm going to ask how many strange kids you put your freezing cold hands on the shoulders of. I I don't know what you guys do in homework. I I have no clue.
0: I didn't play. play? I didn't play the game. I just watched them. I was like, I'm not going to be the dad. That's grabbing arms in the lunchroom. We're going to pass on that.
1: Probably for the best. Okay. So we've been doing this thing the past two weeks where at the very end of these really serious, hard hitting topics, we just throw around randomness. And I think that's the most fun thing we do. So let's just go. You throw something at me. I'm going to ping pong it right back at you. And let's just see where this goes.
0: Okay. Um, I am very, I had Ole Miss last week. So obviously, got to talk to the coaches, got to talk to the players. So, this game against Alabama with how they looked against South Florida is very interesting to me. I don't know if you have heard the same chatter that I have this week, but I am hearing a lot of confidence in Ole Miss not just being competitive, but actually winning this game. So, I would like to hear from you for the folks that you believe, believe Ole Miss is going to or can win this football game. Is that confidence being brought to us by what they really like about Ole Miss, or is it more about what they don't like about Alabama?
1: It's 100% what they don't like about Bama. And look, I'm not knocking people's approach, because that's fair. I picked Alabama, but if I were going Ole Miss, think about this. Now, you want to do some Moss, some man-on-street stuff? Take a little stick mic out there on the streets of Birmingham. Find some folks that are picking against Alabama and say – give me your favorite Ole Miss receiver. Give me your favorite Ole Miss offensive lineman. They're not not listing. Half their fan base probably is not even doing that, but what they do know is they know Alabama is in total shambles right now. They see that offensive line is a sieve, and they know that their front's pretty aggressive. They don't worry about their safeties. They don't worry about their DBs being vulnerable because Alabama can't throw to save their lives anyway. And also... They just kind of think their offensive line will get it together or Jackson Dart will move the pocket 20 yards to the left or right, and they don't have to worry about Dallas Turner. They don't have to worry about the mismatch, and somehow Bama will just implode and they'll win. Have I pretty well encapsulated the strategy for Ole Miss here? It's also, it's Lane Kiffin, who will not play a down, mind you, but Lane Kiffin's going to win it somehow.
0: I think you, number one, proved that you hate the city of Oxford again this week because you didn't say what if we were walking the streets of Oxford asking these right. questions, and that yeah. would have been totally different answers. Uh, number two, I would say, did you know Pete Golding used to coach at Alabama? They, they know these guys, Josh. Hold on a second. The familiarity is oh, off the charts here. I, maybe you haven't seen the Wikipedia page.
1: Oh, it's right there. Oh, wow, there's some other interesting stuff about Golding on Wikipedia we won't get into, but yeah, so it's right there. All right. So confirmed, did you pick this? Can you professionally, can you put your reputation on the line and pick this game? How do you think it's going?
0: Uh, I think Alabama will win this game. I think the Ole Miss offensive line has struggled. I thought Chris Braswell played his best game in an Alabama uniform last week. You mentioned Dallas Turner. He's going to be big. Jihim Otis, does he play? I don't know. But Tim Smith looked pretty good. Deontay Lawson looked great. Malachi Moore looked good. People forget that the defense gave up three points and played a good game. I think that Ole Miss will still have trouble with that defense. I don't think Trey Harris is going to go. Priest Corn probably not going to be back. If you get Akari Franklin, it's great. But how much can he really play? So – the familiarity thing I throw out the window because those coaches in Tuscaloosa have the same familiarity with Pete that he does with them there. So it's, I think Alabama goes run heavy. I think you'll see more two and two, two and three tight end sets and they find a way to squeak it out there in Tuscaloosa. I do think it'll be competitive. Lane will draw a few things up. I, I'll tell you this. I was, the thing that really caught me off guard was when I asked Lane about Alabama after the game and I said, Alabama next, what does that make you think? He just gave me a, yeah, you know, Tough team, tough place to play up. We'll, I guess we've got to go Tuscaloosa. Yeah. But that's his time to shine. That's his time to, to make headlines and get his name in lights and get retweets, and he decided not to do it. And I was like, uh-oh, is that quiet confidence I hear from Lane Kiffin? Oh, maybe.
1: All right. Let me stretch out for this one. So staying on that theme, you know I'm not one to delve into the hot take genre, but this may get close to it depending on how we feel about answering this. True or false, Cole Kublick, this weekend's slate of games heavily impacts who the future head coach at Alabama will be once Saban retires?
0: False. For a lot of different reasons. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with his decision, the man we see on the screen right there, Nick Saban. I agree. If he were to lose to Lane Kiffin or lose to Ole Miss – I think if if Coach Saban wants to continue to go, he's going to continue to go. And I think part of him knows right now, I, I want to do this again next year and the year after, or this is probably it, and we're going to give it a go one more time, and, and that's going to be the end of it. Um, I think the candidates that will be next after Nick Saban, the only thing that could potentially prevent them from taking that job are going to be... The bankroll behind the school that they are already employed by. I don't think there are going to be a lot of candidates for the that are going to be next up for Alabama. That other schools are going to be considering plucking. It's going to be guys that unless school A can come up with twelve million a year and wants to do that, then they're going to stay. If not, they're going to take the Alabama job. I think we can probably count those candidates on one hand and not even use all of our fingers. So. I also think there's some people I've had the conversation with Greg Byrne before he's told me not necessarily from a football coach perspective, but he said, I have a list in my drawer of every sport of the next two or three guys that I want to attack. If I ever needed a new coach, don't think for one second that he and some of the other powers that be around Tuscaloosa don't know exactly who they want to target next. So what happens this weekend? No, I don't think it has any bearing on who the next head coach is at Alabama. And if you're trying to be, if you're trying to be sneaky here, which I think you are Mm because you usually like to try to play that game, and say that if Lane Kiffin were to knock off Alabama, he then becomes the favorite to be the next Alabama coach, I would say, no, don't even pretend like that's going to be a real thing.
1: All right, Uh, you continue to be one of the most boring humans on the face of the earth because you're right about this. So, no, this weekend, it's false. (laughs) It is not going to impact the future. Uh, Here's what I will say. I think there are people, let me play devil's advocate, there are people who believe you have to see Kiffin beat your team before you'll endorse him being the future head coach of your team. I think that's nonsense, but I think there may be some people of that opinion. And then there's also, as you know, the other camp, that's just dead set on the idea that Dabo's the future in Tuscaloosa, and all of a sudden if he loses a second game and that trajectory is is on the downward trend with Dabo, maybe people cool on him that would have been high on him once before, I don't think either of those things is the case. I've never been on the Dabo is the future at Alabama train to begin with, although I get it. It makes sense. Um, I almost wonder if the names that will be in that equation aren't at the forefront right now because Saban's not going anywhere anytime soon. I still don't believe it's imminent that he's on his way out the door. I, I don't buy into that at all. I would think that if I were to place odds at Pate State Sportsbook, yes, no, he's still the head coach in 2026 I'd still lean yes more so than no. And that's three years down the road. So, I mean, like, let me just give you an example and we'll move on. Um, Take a name like Dan Lanning, who's just starting his head coaching career at Oregon. He could do some things over the next two years that come 2026 has him at the forefront. Well, you would never have Lanning's name at the forefront right now. You wouldn't put him above Kyle Whittingham in the Pac-12 right now. So let's pump the brakes. uh, and, And shame on you for going as long as you did on this answer, only to say no and I dutifully wrap it up for us. Okay, next up. balls. My balls are in your court now.
0: Oh, well. Um, <laughs> i a different direction I'll go there, but I'm not going to do it. All right, so big game in South Bend, Indiana this weekend. I want to hear from you, because all the chatter seems to be about quarterback play, the quarterbacks, will they be protected, the receivers, who's going to get them the football. More important player in Ohio State at Notre Dame this weekend. Audric Estime or Travion Henderson?
1: I think it's Audric Estime. And I'm really high on how Travion Henderson's looked so far this year. But they got Mayan Williams back there. They've got other guys. The the Notre Dame run game runs through Estime. And he's looked really good. And I know that he's making waves because when I mentioned him on the show the other night, the comment section was full of people saying, he's not that good, which almost always means he's that good. And so I also (laughs) think that as, as high as people are on Hartman, and I'm one of them, He doesn't have Ohio State's stable of receivers, which means they probably still need to be a run-centric offense in order for the rest of that stuff to work. And secondly, I don't know. Like I I could see yards after catch coming into play and Ohio State winning that way, even if their run game goes for 3.9 yards per carry. It's not ideal, but I could see it. I could also see Ohio State's defensive front forcing turnovers to a higher percentage degree or, or taking over the game. I don't necessarily see uh, Notre Dame's defense doing that. So I think it's Estime. I think it's probably his opportunity for a coming out party Saturday. Because I think Notre Dame folks know him and diehard college football fans know him. But if you do it on this stage in primetime, then all of a sudden everyone knows you. And so, yeah, I'm going to go with him.
0: Okay. I, uh, it's tough to argue with any of those. I, I think it's Travion Henderson just because of how good he has looked. This is the guy that we thought when we saw flashes of him his freshman year that we were going to get and he was going to compete for Heisman Trophies and he was going to be the first running back off the board in the NFL draft. I don't think Ohio State's great in pass protection. I think in order to get the ball to your playmaker's hands, you're going to need a little bit of extra time unless you can create it through play action and force that defense to calm down a little bit because of how the run game's going. I love the creativity that Ryan Day has actually shown in the run game the last couple of weeks. It's very different then shotgun, offset back, run zone read, maybe throw a same side counter in every now and then, or do you have a quick toss? It's very different now with how they're doing pistol and a couple of plays up underneath. So I think the creativity in the run game will allow for him to get more opportunities to get going. And I think he has to have success first in order for those other playmakers to get the football. So I'm going to go with Travion Henderson.
1: Yeah, I think we're both right, actually, somehow. So this is one where I guarantee you everyone's right. This slate's loaded. Producer Jesse, who may or may not start for Utah Saturday, we're going to see the line is fluctuating right now, but uh, Producer Jesse tells me we have not had this many ranked versus ranked matchups in the same weekend since 05, I want to say. And if I'm wrong, it's on him, not me. So I am looking across this board, and it's easy to talk about FSU Clemson. It's easy to talk about Notre Dame and Ohio State, Ole Miss, Bama, whatever. But I want to ask you, take the top layer of soil off of the surface, where's the landmine game? Where's the one because this Saturday is so clogged up with big games that no one's looking at that come sundown, everyone's saying, can you believe that happened?
0: Uh, I'm not going to steal your thunder on this answer because I saw you tweet earlier this week about UCLA and Utah. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned the quarterback situation there. And if Uncle Jesse is actually going to go out and play in that game, I hear it's still up for grabs. And it's actually possible this week. I do think that's going to be a great game. I love the UCLA rushing attack. I love number 20. They let him list it as a running back. He's like 6'4", 255, but he plays like eight tight end. He's blowing people up left and right. I think that's going to be a fantastic game. So I'll let you have that. Yes, that thank you be Thank you for not talking about Thunder. that game
1: whatsoever. Totally push that one you off the table can, after can, two minutes. Yeah.
0: You keep that one. Uh, for me, it, this is a rivalry game. It means a lot to both fan bases. They have like a 175-pound trophy, and no one is talking about – Arkansas at LSU. Oh, wow. This used to be one of, the, this is one of the biggest games of the year, and this is where you and I agree that where we're going with divisionless college football, we're going to miss games like this on an annual basis down the road. I think this is a massive game. Now, a lot of people are going to look at what happened against Mississippi State last week and say, LSU's unbeatable. Oh, look at, look at Jaden Daniels, 13. 30- 13 for 13, he started, and Harold Perkins is at the line of scrimmage. Great, I love it. They do a lot of good things. I think they got the running back situation figured out. And then people are going to look at Arkansas and say, oh, they lost to BYU. Well, they had an experienced quarterback. They couldn't convert third downs. They put the ball on the ground multiple times, and they lost a turnover battle. So I think, what does it take to find an upset? I think there are a couple of ingredients that you have to have. One is a takeover guy. It can be offense or defense. Helps a little bit more for that person to be on offense. KJ Jefferson can be a takeover player. Dual threat quarterback with power. He has been super accurate this season. Protection's got to get better. And yes, it can tell us you that can be a problem. Two, I think you have to have a disruptive defensive line. And I think Landon Jackson and a couple of those defensive linemen for Arkansas are playing good quality football. The secondary is nowhere near the liability as it was a year ago. I think Travis Williams is going to probably look at a couple of games this year and say, Let's not play man coverage the entire time and leave our corners on an island with these freak show cyborg wide receivers that LSU has. And this is a game that weird things have happened. So I think if you're looking for one that could go away that you don't really anticipate it, even if it's not an Arkansas win, but it's just being tighter, disruptive defensive line, takeover player on offense. By the way, everybody and their mom's telling LSU how great they are right now. Everybody's telling them they're in the playoff and all their problems are solved. everything figured out. Unfortunately, one of your players got a brain tumor removed this week. There's distractions floating around Baton Rouge. I I think this is a spot where Arkansas could maybe sneak up on LSU.
1: All right, so I'm, I'm actually not even going to do Utah-UCLA. That was a head fake. I do think that it's going to be a good game, but you know what? I already broke it down earlier in the show. But you hear how thick this paper is. Like, when I paper pop, that's not a thin pop. Immunity, that's a really thick pop. I am going to ask you to not ignore Rutgers at Michigan. Rutgers is not sneaking by teams. They beat Northwestern 24-7. to 7. Northwestern's a lot of academic prestige there. They beat Temple. Thirty-six to seven, they beat Virginia Tech. Michael Vick, Coach Beamer, they beat them thirty-five to sixteen. So anyway,
0: what did Vick go in that game? What was this? I, I, I don't even know if he went. I don't even know if he
1: went to attendance. But the point is, oh. it's a proud program, and I need to bolster my point as much as possible. Um, have you watched Michigan this year? I know you watched their O line. Have you watched games from Michigan this year?
0: Uh, I have watched sides of the football, not game, not complete games. No, like I've picked and chosen a little bit to watch about them. I do love their O-line. I think J.J. McCarthy is exceeding expectations. He has somewhat taken the next step. Obviously, their backs are great. It seems like boring football because they're really good at what they do right. and they're what they're really good at, not a lot of people are very interested in but I think Michigan's one of the best teams in college football right now. Yes. Schedule. I just appreciate the fact that you had to look at your computer to know what the scores of the Rutgers games were that you were going to reference on the show.
1: That's, uh, that's the best. That, well, listen, they're, they're not even top nine in the JP poll. So do you still want to say what you're saying right now? Because we all know how accurate that metric has been so far this year.
0: No, I can't go against that. No. Who could? I mean
1: <laughs> Who could? Uh, but that's not the one I'm going to. Hey. UTSA okay. plays at Tennessee this week. Also, we got Oklahoma on top of the world right now, feasting on a pastry list of cupcakes, and they're all of a sudden on the road in conference play against a Cincinnati team. Jesse, who did they lose to last week? Miami of Ohio? Who lost big time to Miami. So, so, Transitive Property says if Oklahoma loses this Saturday, Miami is a prime contender to win the Big 12 because that's how that works. I just think We're at that time of year where some teams like rapidly scale up. It's not just the top 10 teams. Some team like Cincinnati or some team like Rutgers just get some stuff figured out or catch someone sleepwalking and everyone's focused on other big games. I think that something somewhere is going to go bang and hopefully it's on the list I just mentioned because I told you to list one and I listed four.
0: What did we? We had like three of these weekends last year where we just had, it was just upset bonanza across all of college football. So I do agree with you from, to the extent that there are going to be a couple of these games that just don't go the way that we think they're going to. Um, I just think Cincinnati, it, other than their defensive line, I, there's not a lot of spots that I look at and say that they're going to be problematic. I don't think that's the solution to knock off Oklahoma. I still think you're going to have to have some sort of power rushing attack and be able to control the line of scrimmage, take away some of those possessions from Jeff Lebby. Otherwise, I, I, just, I don't think you even have a shot to be able to pull it off. And don't do that with Tennessee by the way, because UTSA does not have a Cam Jackson in the middle of their defense like Florida did, and that is what you have to have to be able to neutralize things and play good defense against that offense. 99 for Florida was out of his mind this week. UTSA doesn't have that. They might not even have their starting quarterback. So that's not going to be a scary game for Tennessee. Hey,
1: is before I toss it back to you, and you can do whatever you want to, is Florida the second-best team in the East right now?
0: It might be Kentucky. But based on who they've played, I don't know if we can definitively say that yet. It might be Florida because we have talked about all those mistakes they made against Utah and falling down on the first play of the game, two guys with the same number, procedure penalties inside the red zone. Like it, They did a lot to help themselves lose that game. So maybe? It's that kind they of – thing. just on Monday night on – On read and react, they asked us to give them their top five teams in the SEC. I still can't believe we actually even attempted to do it because after one, two, and three, I have no idea where we would go with that. I mean, it's just it's completely nothingness.
1: I love how every August, someone like me says, you know, see me after week one and I'll have it all figured out. Meanwhile, we're headed into week four. I don't know. Could be Kentucky. It's it's not Tennessee. Could be Florida. I don't know. Could be anyone. All right. Hit me.
0: Hey, Brady Cook's healthy. I'm just saying. Watch out. But if he's not, watch out from Memphis.
1: St. Louis is a dangerous, neutral game territory.
0: All right. uh, You made a great point, and I hate giving you compliments, but I'm going to. Uh, Earlier in the week on the podcast about the prime tax, the Deion Sanders tax that we are all paying right now Mm -hmm. in college football, and I feel like it's bountiful, it's plentiful, it's expensive, and I feel like it's very real. What I would like to ask you, though, Is this moment of the prime tax the definitive moment in the history of college football of bringing more casuals to the forefront of this sport? And if it's not number one, give me the thing, the person, the team, just the item that brought us more in-season casuals than ever before in the history of the sport that we love.
1: Aside from COVID, yes, this is the answer. Deion Sanders and Colorado, and those are two totally different paradigms. This is it. This is our moment. This is where we have to be adults about this. Because this has not happened before. And so you got you got one of two choices. You can either scoff at them, you can yell at them from your front porch, you can do what you did and start getting mad that folks are dropping bags of dog poop in your neighborhood, or you can look at those people and say, Hey, at least they're in my neighborhood. This is a chance to teach them something. Now, in that case, you want to teach them a lesson. In this case, we want to welcome these people. You heard me talk about the Bucky's approach. This is just the welcome to college foot. Welcome to college football. And I was so proud when, when that complete
0: nonsense. I thought that was Moe's, by the way, not Bucky's. Isn't that the, the Moe's does that? They yell at you when you uh, well, walk in?
1: A bunch of people yell at a bunch of people these days. It's 2023, but they do it at Bucky's. Athens, Alabama, Calhoun, Georgia. I know it for a fact that they yell, Welcome to Bucky's when they walk in there. So I want to yell, Welcome to college football in these folks' faces. And I was proud. We as a college football people had our first real challenge this week of the Dion tax. Because someone, and I had to bring it to your attention on the phone the other day, someone, some podcast out there in the Rockies uh, that has probably talked about goat herding to this point in their lives, they go and they get into the college football space and they say, Deion Sanders is pumping in crowd noise at practice. He's playing the Oregon fight song. It's this attention to detail that sets Coach Prime apart. We as a college football people responded by the hundreds and hundreds, welcome to college football. And you know what? That's impact. That is the late kick fam making an impact. That is Pate State making an impact. Loved your shirt earlier this week, by the
0: way. That was a classy move by you. So we got to be the bigger man here, don't we? We do. I'm even told, I did a little extra digging on this into the Colorado Athletic Department since Coach Prime has arrived. I'm told that they've now introduced a graphics department as well. Oh, and my that They will have digital graphics for things such as player birthdays, uh, practices attended, uh, maybe monumental moments in a game, as in throwing for 300 yards or getting your first sack in college. Or even when guys show up to campus for a visit, they'll have these Digital animated graphics with words on them that they're actually going to they're going to utilize in social media platforms, which are I know something you're not necessarily familiar with. So you talk about ahead of the curve. It, it sounds like that Colorado Athletic Department is just light years ahead, you know, than the rest of college. If football. I
1: didn't know any better, I mean, before too much longer, they're going to have a full-on marketing department out there, and then we've lost the sport. At that point, we've just lost college football entirely. Oh, speaking of which, and for for those of you who have been living in a cave. This is called sarcasm. But now, real talk. Your alma mater put out probably the single best game hype promotional poster I've ever seen this week, and if you haven't seen it, that's good. Colin, don't even pull it up. Let's just go theater of the mind. Picture (laughs) picture a gigantic tiger. They played Texas A&M this week. Picture a gigantic tiger coming over bleachers, and then two of the Texas A&M yell leaders on one knee embracing each other, and the... The insinuation is they're about to be devoured and there's very little left of the imagination. It just insinuates it. And all I want to know is, is can they pull the upset? They're a seven and a half point dog. But if they do, do they have the stones down there? Does someone hit the green light on making the final edit where there's just blood all over the tiger's mouth and there are no more yell leaders? Like it, Is that within, is that within their, their fortitude down there at Auburn?
0: Maybe you go a little more PG and it's the, the towel hanging out of the, ti- mm-hmm. the tiger's mouth because, you know, they, they got the towel going to the, the yellow leaders the whole time. Uh, to go further theater of the mind, essentially picture Josh and I dressed up as Mr. Clean for Halloween, and we were the ones taking a knee facing the tiger. And that's because there were two bald guys in their all-white outfit. Yeah, unbelievable. So. I think you made a better
1: parallel. Van Pelt, Stanford Steve, I'm more comfortable with that. Uh, it works. Yeah. More yeah. fun to watch from the bleachers. Okay, who do King you Kong have? Bundy. Which, which game? You got a. You got Columbia, South Carolina, Saturday, right?
0: Yep, Mississippi State at South Carolina. Huh. Somebody's got to win.
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a statistical fact. Someone does. And for the loser, what do we have?
0: Trouble. Yeah. On the horizon. Big trouble. When you look at right. those schedules and what's ahead, it's it's going to be a lot. Hey, don't spend a lot of time on this because we've already gone long. I do have to. I always get a fun question here. Yeah. Uh, who would have made a better college football player? Nikolai Volkov or Coco Beware?
1: Coco Beware. I mean, we, you're carrying around a parrot. Like my goodness.
0: Athleticism?
1: Um, no, no. I, I thought Coco was a very, Just very average. He has a bear, makes he's a very average athlete. But if he's walking around with Frankie on his arm, that's uh, it's frankly something that should be tried more. People, people talk about emotional support animals on planes. That guy was walking to the ring with an actual parrot on his arm in the 80s and 90s. And that's when fair. they did that Beyond the Mat documentary. And they asked Vince McMahon, he said, I, quite frankly, I never knew where Coco Beware ended and the real person began.
0: And yeah, <laughs> that's, that's so great. <laughs> hey, you, you want a fun you question? Noticed that, uh, you noticed Jake the Snake and Coco Beware oh, never faced off Unbelievable. We could add a whole other kind of match going on. Well, just standard being.
1: tag team, standard tag team action there. Um, I want to know something from you because I, I know that this is different for me every week. And I'll wrap on this, I promise. You're on the sideline every week. I am too, but you're actually working down there. I'm just loitering on the sideline, so I can go do anything I want to. When halftime hits, you do your, your, your halftime interview with a coach, and then you got, what, 12, 13 minutes. What do you go do?
0: In most stadiums or last week in Oxford? You, you choose where you want to go here. Be creative. Um, last week it was conversations with the multiple security guards that they assigned me. But, um, normally usually cliff bar in the backpack, I'll go to one of those, uh, find a restroom, which that you want to talk about strategy Challenge. inside the stadium. Yeah. Restroom strategy, Texas A&M, You're number one on the list. You walk in the tunnel right there to the right. Yep. And nobody knows it's there cause there's no marking. It's fantastic. Other places I got to go out to the literally go out, uh, Starkville, I have to go to our truck to use the restroom. It's, it's pretty – it's insane, the, 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 the distances that you have to go. Uh, try to get to a restroom, maybe sit down for like two or three minutes because uh, that'll be the only time I sit during the entire game. Get a quick cliff bar down, and then I got to get back over to uh, – now I go to my monitor because we do the read and react segment where I go through something, try to talk to the visiting coach, see what he has to say coming out, and, yeah, that's about it.
1: So when I was in Missouri last week, Uh, can you see my phone right here? Can you see that two by four? I can see it. Okay. There's just this, first off, it's a bathroom. We have trough, trough urinals, by the way, bring back trough urinals. There's a shower in there that looks like it hasn't been used in possibly decades, (laughs) but it was, it was quaint, but it was available, but you're right. Some other places it's tough, man. You bring a bottle basically just clear out a Powerade bottle and find some privacy. What I, try and well, do. I, sh-
0: I shouldn't say this, but I will quickly. The security team in Tuscaloosa, um, years ago, they invited me into their safe space, their office, I guess, <laughs> during games to use the restroom whenever I needed to. I-, I know where that is, and they allow me to go in there and use it, and it is very convenient is all I'm going to say. I'm not telling anybody else where it is because I don't want anybody to take advantage of that and that privilege to be taken away, but they are very kind to me there by allowing me to do that, and I'm very- I want them to know I'm very appreciative of that.
1: Derek and people are good people down there. I can't, I can't say I haven't visited the same compound. So here's the thing. You, they have to shut down the elevators at five minutes. So the opposing coaches or the coaching staffs can come down and get to the locker room. So what you have to do, if you want to get fed, you don't go to the media suite. Okay. That's poverty food. You want to go to the press box if you have clearance to go to both. So you have to scurry your way up the stands and you have to get under a tunnel if you have to, and you got to get up the elevator before the five-minute mark, and then you watch the end of the first half in the press box, and you eat whatever they have up there. Then you make your way back down, and that—that mm. that is the secret because we, we can't all live on cliff bars alone, as Meemaw once said.
0: Well, no, when you're, when you're trying not to be a Husky fellow, you can, and uh, you just don't eat, and that's the thing that uh, keeps me not getting to 300 during the season, but yeah. Don't different eat strategy kids. for a different day. Yeah.
1: Just don't eat, kids. Th- that's the advice. All right. Cube show. Where can we find it? Where can the people go?
0: At Cube Show61 on YouTube, right here. We had a miserable episode this week, so please go get us some views on that one. We appreciate it. We
1: conversely had our best week of the year. So thank you guys so much for, <laughs> for calling Cube for producer Jesse, for director Colin. I'm Josh Pate. Enjoy the games this week. It will be a monster show Sunday night, one way or the other. Take care. Tune in then. Friday Night Lines on Instagram at LateKickJosh. Check it out tomorrow night. we got a loaded weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll talk about it Sunday. Until then, take care. God bless. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good.